I'm a real estate broker in Los Angeles, California. Uh, really rebooted my business two and a half years ago, focused on probate as my, as my only lead gen source. And I've really had tremendous success as a result of that. Uh, with my company, I'm on, the, uh, I'm on track to be icon status, which is a standard of excellence in our company. Had phenomenal year last year, my best ever actually. And I'm on track for better year this year. And I do all that focused on probate real estate. I'm a little late today because I ran out to pick up not one, but two cashier's checks for court sales tomorrow. And I have one on Tuesday and a customer just lined up a second one on Tuesday. So um, well, we're just we're selling houses as fast as I get my hands on. Um, so it's been a phenomenal run and continues to be. Um, and particularly, I think the power of building an expertise. So I want to just start with a little bit of content each week and then uh, kind of open up more to problems and, and questions if that's okay. And so what I want to do today is kind of line out for you the 11 ways we can make money selling probate real estate. And the reason I do this is there are a lot of companies that sell data or coaching or different systems. And I feel like they really pigeonhole everybody into two of two different ways to get business. And I think there's more than that. And particularly, you know, I speak to agents like uh, Winston's on the call, Bernard's on the call, Paul's on the call, who already have some business going on. And I think rather than tell you, well, you need to cold call three hours a day in probate and learn that, I do think probate is something you can bolt onto your business more efficiently, perhaps through one of the other or multiple of the other 11 ways to get business. So today, my goal will be today just to list them all real briefly. I'm glad to take a couple of questions. And then each week I'm going to come back and take one of those 11 ways and we'll start the call with about 10 minutes of content on that method. How's that sound? Sounds good. But today we're just going to do a high-level review of the 11 ways. So the 11 different ways that a real estate professional, whether it be an investor, wholesaler, or a real estate broker, real estate salesperson, can make money. Number one is pre-probate. And I'd say this one's real common for investors, wholesalers, uh, where they're um, marketing to people who have not yet filed probate cases. There's data sources for that. Um, uh, pro, uh, foreclosures daily has probate daily as a service and they sell pre-probates nationally is one way. And so there's a number of people who market to them via mail, targeted marketing, social media, and other methods to get people who've not yet filed probate uh, to see if they're selling the house. Sometimes it's in a trust, they don't need probate. In some states it's easier. Uh, and in other cases, they will marshal the customer through the probate process. Maybe pay for it. There's different ways to work that business. Yes, uh, Winston. Question, Bill. I haven't used uh, foreclosure daily for probate. I did for foreclosure, NOD, you know, trustee sale info. But with their probate info, is it screened to only include estates or filings with real estate? Or is it everybody? Their, their um, pre-probate data can be cross-referenced to people who have real estate. Um, so I don't use it personally. Um, I work with investors that do. Um, and I've talked to the vendor about it and seen it in detail. And I actually bought it for 90 days. And it's just not for me. Um, and and uh, be glad to talk offline why that is. But I would just say, so I don't want to mislead you and say I used it successfully. Um, I think it really lines up better with an investor. I'm looking... My focus is to find properties where people need my service as a broker, 
to list property. And if it's just to sell it and flip it, which great business, that's just not my focus. And so that, that pre-probate really fits better with investors and wholesalers than it does with me as an agent. Uh, thanks for sharing. And I figured that right away. And, and I'm not saying it's not a good business. What I will say it's worked for me is I bought the data and, and, and worked with, with their permission, you're allowed to resell it, or I'm sorry, re-give it to somebody else and your team. I have a wholesaler in, in a, a flipper in my group and they've had good success with it. I just didn't get any listings out of it. So number one is pre-probate. And there's a whole world of what that looks like. Number two are probate leads where you market to the petitioner. This is by far the most common activity sold and taught where you buy the data from a provider. And, and on my website, if you wanna um, uh, send me a text or whatever, go to my website, um, vlaprobateexpert.com. I have on there a tab for data resources. Uh, and there's a number of them. Although some will sell you, you know, just all the probate filings. Uh, some will miss some of them once in a while. Some are faster than others. Some are more complete. They'll cross-reference to property or phone numbers. They'll scrub the DNC list. There's different providers that have different uh, advantages. And I did a short video on uh, the seven major providers that I've worked with, um, but they're always changing. So I'd say try them. Uh, if you're a professional, you've got to invest some money in this business. You might consider you know, a few months as an investment, check out on your own. But the tactic they almost always present and push agents to, nothing wrong with it. I know I've done it. A lot of agents have done it successfully is phone calling and or mailing, I guess theoretically you could door knock social media to the filings based on the petition, right? So that's one area. And if you go to all the leads.com's uh, weekly call, they'll talk about that a lot. Um, PT, what is it called? Um, uh, C Press, uh, Mike um, Torres's group, they really focus on marketing to the petitioner and or attorney. So that's number two out of 11. Number three of 11 is probate filing leads to the attorney. Now these go kind of go hand in hand in some regards in that the data sometimes is unclear. There's a petitioner and then there's a field for attorney. Sometimes the attorney is the petitioner Sometimes the attorney is there and there's a petitioner separate. Sometimes the petitioner who's not using attorney puts the phone number or email in the wrong spot. So it's natural to call both if you're gonna call one or the other, in my mind. The problem is attorneys by their nature are very hard to cold call and are probably the, the least respectful and appreciative of cold calling of any industry. If you think about it, if you own a manufacturing company or a tool company or a I don't know, a restaurant, uh, anything that sells to the outside world, selling catering, selling hotel rooms, you have a sales team that's cold calling all day long. And so when you get cold called, you might appreciate somebody who's good. Attorneys don't do that, they're not allowed to. And as a result, really disrespect you. So I found for me, it was not effective to cold call to attorneys. Now I'm also in LA, California, very unique market compared to other places. So. I'm not saying that's true for everybody. I'm just saying that was my experience. The cold calling for me, attorneys wasn't productive. But um, marketing them is great. Just cold calling, I think, is and mailing to them, I have found not to be productive. Um, best, that's only numbers two and three out of 11. Let's continue. Number four, MLS full authority. 
Now, one of, the, one of the reasons why I love this one is that one way to learn is by doing the actual sale. And if you get involved in the actual sale, you're going to meet the players. And so rather than try to convince people you're an expert, if you're selling the house, you're the expert. You'll figure it out. And so one of the things I recommend to people who want to get in the business, um, if you're a buyer's agent or you're working with investors, is go into your MLS and sort out all the probates. But you want those that do not need court approval, otherwise known as full authority. Some MLSs have that distinction, some don't. Mine does in LA. Uh, I believe in uh, CRMLS does. Uh, San Diego does not, as far as I can tell. You can search the keywords. So they're all a little different. Particularly for newer agents who are working with buyers anyhow, one reason why to do this is you're kind of tapping into some inventory that other agents avoid because they don't really know what it means. And MLS full authority for the most part is just like a regular sale. Meaning other than using the different form as a realtor, we have a different contract for probate with full authority. Other than that form, it's almost the same as a regular transaction. And what I'll say to you is for free, if you try this technique again to ask or call me, there's one thing you have to do to avoid problems. I'll be glad to coach you on that for free once you're in escrow, you get on a full authority. So again, all you, and what I teach people to do when I pursue this, number four, we're going to detail, is just print the forms that you need to use and read them. Like my number one coaching technique, when people say, well, how do I, I want to learn probate. Great. Print out the purchase form and read it. Because you're not going to get paid if you don't know what the form says. You're just not. It's just going to be too tough. Is that true or true? Same true with the regular real estate contract. I hate true. to say it to new realtors. It's shocking how many real estate agents, Winston, I know you've been around a while. How many listings have you had where a buyer's agent put something in the offer that's in the standard format, but they don't know that because they've never read it? How often does that happen to you? More times than I can count. It's shocking. It's just shocking. Don't you know that's already in there? The property's as is. Don't you know it says that in the contract already? Right? It's just crazy how people don't know things like that. That's number four. Number five is MLS limited authority. Limited authority describes where it's a probate. Now I would say in LA County, this is about 5% of all probate cases. So about 95% of the time, it looks like a regular deal. The forms are different. There's one little potential hitch, but basically it's a regular deal. As an agent, though, if you search the limit authority on purpose, you'll learn how those work. You'll see who the listing agents are getting those deals. You'll work with the attorney on those sales. You'll meet them in person as you sell the property. And if you do things now, of course, we're in COVID. Pre-COVID, what I always did was took every opportunity to drop off paperwork at the attorney's office, pick up the keys at the attorney's office, right? Drop off whatever paperwork had to be done, I would do it in person. Do the paperwork for them. There's a, uh, when the, when the uh, client gets the letters of authority, you need an original, I'm not original, a certified copy, an actual wet copy. I go to court, get it, and drive it to the, to the attorney's office. Why? It's an excuse to go meet the attorney, right? Obviously, we're in COVID, different people, different places, use appropriate rules. But use the thinking the same, which is these transactions are ways to meet the people, 
You can cold call 100 attorneys, but if you get a sale and they're on that deal, you've just jumped to the head of the pack. You follow me on that? That's number five. Number six is court confirmation sales or auctions. This is when I really focus in on myself. I used to go to court every day when it was available. And I learned, I spent a year and a half. So I saw more sales than I think any other attorney, judge, uh, or realtor. And as a result, learned a system to make that work. What I offered to agents is, if you find a buyer that wants a particular property that needs to be sold and confirmed at court in LA, you certainly can learn on your own. But if you'd like to partner up on one deal, we'll split it. And I'll teach you everything top to bottom so you can do the next one on your own. Uh, in fact, I'm doing that tomorrow on a deal. So, uh, but that, those are more complicated. I would say that area is the most complicated piece of the whole thing. That's why I'd go there. I train real estate agents. The mistake we make as agents is we find deals with problems, we run from them. And it should be the opposite. We should be looking for problems that we uniquely can solve. That's how we get paid. So I like these court confirmations because there's lots of problems. You need to go to court, you have to fill the paperwork, there might be squatters in there, a couple of heirs fighting over it. Give me a couple of good problems like that. I'll give you a deal that they need me to list. And when they don't choose me, that's their mistake. I don't really worry about it. You follow me? That's number six. Number seven is courthouse farming. This was the other technique I used the most when I started. It's not available today in LA County. What do I mean by that? Pre-COVID, I went to court every day, just like a realtor might work a farm, right? Maybe in uh, Costa Mesa, you, know, you work from this street to that street, and this boulevard, that boulevard, that's your farm, and you door knock all the houses in there, maybe you mail to them, or whatever else you do, open houses in there. My farm was the court, because every day there were nine courtrooms of attorneys, investors, homeowners, and just people around the courthouse. And then I'd when the court was over, I'd go to the research room and bump into people there and got deals from people there. Just like when you farm and walk a neighborhood, you bump into people. The biggest client I got last uh, two years ago when I was starting, I literally got, because I, I, I would get there again, because I'm farming, court then starts at 8.30. What time do I get there at? 7.45, with a cup of coffee, looking good, dressed, suit, tie like an attorney, and bump into a, a friend that I knew. You know, really a friend, of, a daughter of a friend of ours. Turned out she had this huge amount of business for me. Uh, really, all I do, did, like, just like a real estate agent in farming, I just got to court, hung around in the area that was most traffic, and introduced myself to anybody who was there. Now, today, what I would say, the biggest mistake I see agents make, uh, here in LA County, you don't have to go to court. If you have a sale, they allow you to come in via video or audio. Big mistake. I want to go to court. I want to meet the attorney who might be there. I want to meet the seller who might be there. I want to meet the other investors. I've gotten business already during COVID. There's fewer people still valuable to go to court when they have a reason to be there. So like tomorrow, my, my matter is not till 9.30. I'll be there by 8.45. Why? Because I'm going to go there anyhow. I'm going to pay to park anyhow. I'm going to put on a suit and tie and go anyhow. Why not spend 45 minutes ahead of time, make sure I'm on time, and meet people, right? 
That's number seven. Number eight, any questions so far? I haven't seen, oh, the chat box, I didn't turn on. Let's see, Paul, very nice. Gabriella, very nice. Okay, any, any questions? Uh, yes, listen. Can you tell us, Bill, which courts are more open than others? Like I know Orange County was closed for a while. They started a Zoom for a while. I've not called down to the to the clerk to see if they're open again or not. Do you know LA, Riverside, San Bernardino, San Diego, who's open, who's not? I I can't say I know the answer. I've heard tidbits, but I would go on the uh, county, you're in Orange County, I think, Winston. I would go on the Orange County website uh, for the, the court, you know, uh, the Superior Court. And I know in LA, they have the current status on there, what they're doing, and I follow it. I actually joined the LA bar as an affiliate member, not an attorney, but there's affiliate membership for non-attorneys. And I get emails, statuses in the court, from the judge, we're changing this, we're changing that, we're moving this judge here. Uh, and the programs, you can meet the judges, which is great. So uh, again, for me as an expert, I do all those things. I'm not saying you necessarily have to. I understand Orange County and San Diego are more open than LA. Uh, LA, you don't have to go at all. You could do it all on video. And, and it's funny that even when you're there, the judge will see by law, you're allowed to be there. They can't say you can't show up. Um, you know, the judges can't change the law openly, but they'll encourage you not to come. They'll make it uncomfortable to go. So you have to be careful when you do go, how you conduct yourself, because you don't want to give the judge the chance to call you out individually and say, why are you here? you got to look like you belong, right? But to answer your question, I don't know specifically, but I believe Orange County and San Diego are more open than LA is. Uh, but, I, I, but I also know they're more video oriented than Orange County. So I, I can't really speak to what's like to go there. I would just go if I was, if I, you know, again, I rebooted my business uh, two years ago, um, almost exactly two years ago. And I just went, you know, my coach at the time was Chad Corbett on alltheleads.com. And one of the things he recommended was just go to court one day. And I went and I learned so much. I said, I'll come back again. And I learned so much. I said, you know, I'm just gonna come here every day till I, you know, stop figuring out new stuff. And I, I continue to go every single work day. So I would just say, just go. And it, it, you'll learn things that aren't on the website and that makes you valuable to the attorney. I'll give you one example. I'll say attorneys in the, there's a, um, in the LA bar, there's like a chat room called the listserv. And they'll ask questions and answer questions among their colleagues. Very active, very robust. And I'll see questions like, well, how long out are they scheduling hearings when you file this kind of petition? Why well, track that? So I'll respond with the, well, the last three petitions filed were scheduled April 18th, 25th, and May 2nd. Well, nobody else knows that but me. And the attorney's like, well, how do you know that? That's the question I want them to ask, right? So I would, I would urge you to go, if you're interested in building a private business, just go one day, see what you learn. And if you learn enough, go back the second day and then the third day. And I just got addicted to it. It just became very profitable for me. Now, I also live, you know, less than 30 minutes from the court, you know, with COVID, it's about 15. So, you know, private logistics, I get that, and lifestyle. Okay? Thanks, Bill. Yeah, sure. Okay, number eight, living trusts. This one I think is most valuable for the agent who already has a business and wants to increase it. Maybe you're stuck at a certain level. Maybe your business is down 10, 20%. You wanna 
recapture that and build it again. And the reason why this one is, it's so easy if you're a realtor, you already have people who know, like, and trust you. And so you need to, you know, I've coached thousands of realtors and 95% have the same problem. They're not properly marketing to people that they already know. And too many of our colleagues, well, not you guys, will buy a program to market to strangers. Well, I'm going to cold call three hours a day to strangers and not call people who already know me, like me, and trust me. That's crazy. No business survives that way. And so what I would say to you is if you're a realtor and you have past clients, past prospects that you met, past attendees at your open houses, you should put in your database, whatever program you use, one of three categories. Either A, they have a living trust and it's current. B, you don't know. And C, they don't have one. Now, if you sold the house, you can easily find the public records and determine that. And so as you do your normal every 90-day call to your database as a real estate agent or email or mailer, newsletter, you should include a question is, do they have a living trust or not? And if you know they don't, you should find the best local resources for your client base and offer to them. Now, I live here in LA. I have to tell you, it is heartbreaking to see the wasted generational wealth in Los Angeles, particularly in South LA. It is heartbreaking. I don't even words for it. And so much of it would be resolved if you could just get people to take a basic living trust that costs maybe 500 bucks, 400 bucks. It's not expensive versus probate fees of $20,000 if it goes litigation, $40,000 or more. And so a service you should call your clients and just ask the question. And I think you need to find a video appropriate for your client database. I can recommend a couple of attorneys that I work with, but that's me. You need to find ones that are like you, that you like their style. You like the way they do the marketing. And be able to set, refer your customer to that video that can explain the things that maybe you're not comfortable explaining, as well as offer them appropriate resources. And I suggest you have three levels. You have the basic level of the guy who just owns a house and or he's married and neither one were ever previously married. That's just a basic living trust. That, that's five or 600 bucks online. Um, I use easy-probate.com. You can use LegalZoom.com. There's a million of them. Free, cheap, online. You just refer it. You don't charge anything for that. I know people do. I don't. I just want them to have it. And attorneys will poo-poo that. I'm going a little long on this one topic. Uh, will poo-poo that. And I say 99% of people are better off with a bad living trust than none. Based on my personal experience, from a business point of view. Not legal, but from a business point of view. Okay, I went a little long on that one. That's a whole hour class. Living trusts, uh, consumer referral. You need to call your clients and find out if they have one and find the resources to help them with that. And again, that's a, another class we'll do some other time. Number nine living trusts are attorney referrals. Because those of you who've sold property to people who have living trusts or have prospects that have living trusts, you need to ask the question, I'm curious because I deal with clients like you all the time who don't have one. 
who did your trust and were you happy with their service? And if they say, ah, oh, attorney Bob or attorney Mary did our trust and we, and I would say, would you be okay if I refer to other clients to them? Oh my gosh, we love Bob. He's the greatest. Now you call attorney Bob and you don't ask for referrals. What are you doing? You call Bob and see if you can refer him living trust business, right? Give before you get, right? You have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. I assure you, you start giving attorneys enough living trust business, they'll either find a way to help you with your business or you'll find somebody else. They know that, you know that. Don't worry about that. Be of service to your clients. You could change the world for certain families if you can get this one down. I'm telling you, I just, I've been in court so many times and just see families killing each other, wasting money. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. That's number nine. I have a dream. I'm going to share with you guys my dream. I have a dream. I was talking to you about that, that we get my, let me back up. Recently, my wife got her COVID uh, vaccines and she got it at some huge church on Vermont, south of USC, about 90th Street in USC. Huge, humongous church. I mean, just ginormous parking lot. And, and they, of course, it was all, all for vaccines. So they had all you know, tents out and people out and stuff. But I thought, what if instead of vaccines in that community, we had attorneys or we had uh, legal law students or we had doc preparers who inquired people's basic information, next person inputs in the forms, next person prints them out, next person notarizes. Couldn't you do that like for 15 bucks a piece or something? That's my dream. We do like 500 of those. We'll change South LA. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox in that one. Um, number 10, COI referrals. Meaning once you've learned the probate business, once you've learned the, um, the uh, um, um, living trust business, reach out to your clients who are in those fields, vendors, uh, investors, wholesalers, make sure they know you know the probate business, estate sale professionals, people you deal with in your business anyhow uh, at some level, uh, paralegals. How many of you have paralegals in your database you've never reached out to? That's number 10. Number 11 is networking. And what I use a lot, uh, I go to a networking group every Wednesday at noon. Uh, I go to one um, Thursday at three. I was just thought it's very hard for me back to back, but from three to 350, I'm on a networking group before I come here. I got to tell you, the networking group I used to go to on Wednesdays. I live in West LA. The meeting was noon in Van Nuys. Now, if you know anything about people who live in West LA, we don't go to Van Nuys, right? It's like a whole world. That hill is like, like a mountain pass to us for some reason mentally. I went every Wednesday. I made, the first year I went there from August to December, I made $40,000 of closed commissions. And I made about $100,000 next year from people I met at that meeting. But I went every week for an hour. And I was a service. I gave people help at real estate networking meetings. Obviously, today, they're all online. I would urge all of you guys to get involved in real estate networking meetings and be of service. Give before you get. That's number 11. Now, would you agree each of those are different ways that if you really work them intensely, you can make a living at that? Yes or no? Right? They're all different. And I think the thing I want to say to you is don't just pick one system because the company selling the data tells you how that one is good. Find somebody that's like you. 
I'm a real estate broker. I, I gotta be honest, I work these systems every day. This is one of my systems. I network with investors and wholesalers on this call who referred me listings. Not complicated, but I also know the probate space deeply and can be a service to them. You could do the same thing, copy what I do. There is nothing here I've done that's not copyable. Okay, that was the overview. I went a little longer than I planned on it. My goal then is next week to take each one of these over the next 11 weeks and go deeper on them, about 10, 15 minutes. Questions on the overview? Was that helpful, interesting, worthwhile? Well, I thought it was helpful. Um, you know, just to, uh, I wanted to go back to, um, so, you know, because uh, I, like I've shared with you in the past, some of my best uh, deals in terms of homes to remodel are, are the probate properties that people are not wanters. They truly just want out of the real estate. Sometimes they're moving out of state or they have other reasons to sell the real estate, but they're truly not wanters. Um, but what I haven't done a really good job of is I really haven't found a lot of the pre-real estate. Um, I haven't done a great job finding pre-probate pre that you described. <clears throat> and, um, you know, there's, there's a not lot of data solutions out there now, like RealTrack and things like that, um, that, uh, you know, are, are actually selling those leads. H have you used that or, or do, are you just really ingrained in the systems you're using? So uh, your question is about pre-probate data. Pre-probate data on to get pre-probate leads to convert to closes. Correct. And yes, I, I actually bought, I, I think I said this in the beginning, um, the best source for that is Foreclosures Daily. That's their name, but they actually have a million types of data. One of them is they have pre-probate data. Okay. And um, I bought it. Um, as you know, my business has been pretty robust this past year. And I'm not, I'm not going to cold call for three hours a day. I don't need to. But um, I do give the data to investors and wholesalers I work with because they want to market it. Yeah. Now, what I do know from people who have used it successfully, probate data, you can get, I'm sorry, pro, uh, foreclosure daily, you can get multiple types of data overlaid. So, for example, you can get the pre-probates that are maybe delinquent on the mortgage and are delinquent on the taxes and or have a tax lien and or city lien, right? And the people who... who um, who I know who do that successfully, they won't share with me their particular algorithm, but they've built, they've been testing it and tweaking it and built their own algorithm to figure out how to overlay several different things to find those people that have to sell a property. Right? Okay, cool. So yeah, I, I, uh, for, uh, pro, uh, Foreclosure Daily would be the, the source. And then I think if you're gonna make that commitment and you can play with it and tweak it and buy more things and more overlays with them, and, and export that data down. Okay. I also think that the mistake agents make is not curing their own data. What do you mean by that? So I used to run a, a cold call program for realtors for free uh, every weekday. And agents would come to me starting out and I would give them for free, let's say a list of homeowners in a certain zip code, maybe you know, 500, 1,000 to call. And the truth is if you get a list off of almost any service, Rather bad about quarter, just bad numbers. That's just, you know, um, uh, how it works. But obviously, if, if you're taking a pin, you're crossing out the bad numbers, or it's online and you're deleting the bad numbers, you're left with just the good numbers. And if you talk to the other three quarters, and other three quarters, you determine 
you know, half of them are, are a waste of time. Now you're left with 37.5% that are not a waste of time. Right. And so what I try to tell people is it's not just the data, it's your process to target. It's your process to constantly find and hone in on and approve those ratios. Got a question here. Um, Thanks, Phil. Sure, thank you. Bernard, thank you for your comment. Let's talk offline. I'll give you my contact info. And Mike asked, does the XP have a commercial vision? Yes. Be glad to talk about that. We have a, we launched a whole commercial thing. And uh, if you're interested in that, I'd love to talk about that. I don't want this to be a recruiting call. I, I'm sensitive that I, I, I have an active team. And, and if you're interested in, in working with me, I'm, I'm flattered and honored to talk about it. I'm just not going to have a commercial you know, on the call about that. So um, any other questions on probate or trust real estate or you know, what I covered? I know I spoke quickly. It was my goal to make this first an overview so that we can come back and go in detail next week. But if you have any particular questions, um, there's a good time for it. Hey, Bill, I have a question. Sure, I do. You mentioned, um, okay, you mentioned the, um, the full authority versus, um, I forget the other term. Limited. Right? Limited. Yeah, limited, thank you. So as an agent, I can go into the MLS and you said, I'm searching for this documentation. However, if it's in the MLS, then that would mean there's already a listing agent, correct? There's already yeah, a, yeah, an agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I said that, I was referring to one of the other 11 areas to focus on, which is as a buyer's agent, finding properties maybe that um, other people have missed. Okay. And, folk, and, and if you're going to pick properties, why not? pick probate and, and, and why might you do that? So I'll, again, it's an hour long class, but I'll just share with you. One reason is you kind of want to recheck where the other people might've skimmed over quickly. Many realtors mm -hmm. see the word probate and they just go on the next listing. So there might be a hidden gem there. Not all of them are hidden gems, but there might be a hidden gem there. Second, we all struggle with how do you get a buyer to work with you? One way is if you're an expert in probate and you're looking at the inventory, and you learn how to read that inventory better than somebody else, you create, you've, you've now added to the inventory mix that other agents don't have. So what I recommend is you review all of them in your market area, set up an alert for all the new ones that come on and really learn how to read them in detail. But this is more of a, but here's the thing, most probates are fix and flips. So now you work with an investor who'd buy other ones and now you can maybe pay for some pre-probate marketing or your listing marketing budget from those buyers. That's what I did. I used the buyers of the buyer side to generate the revenue to spend on my listing business. Okay. Until it became and so much money that it became a whole business. Yeah, that's great, Bill. I like how you go back and you tell your, um, you know, your, your story as to how you got here. And that's excellent information. And then I had another question. So regarding the the county records, you know, the initial hearing date that we'll see in the MLS. Mm -hmm. um, will it show in there if it's full authority or or limited authority? Um, if you buy the data, it has it in there. Like if you buy probate money or, 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 or foreclosures daily or probate data, it will have. Uh, your question was, though, I'm sorry, I, I kind of got lost in the question. Yeah, I, I was probably lost when I was asking it. Okay, so 
okay, the data, right? The courtroom um, filings. When we when we buy that data on those sheets, yes. Do those do, do those sheets indicate full authority? Yes. Or limited? Yes. They do. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. And then thirdly, regarding Bill's dream, um, I understand what you're speaking on. And if you want to research that further, um, I'd love to work together on you know, with that for South LA for sure. You know, it's funny about that is I, I brought this up a few times. And the one of the things people always say yeah. is um, how you have to get the, the local politicians involved. And I always think, well, isn't that the problem? No, not at all. <laughs> really? Let's talk. Let's talk offline. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I'm only comfortable talking about so much online, but um, uh, I'm I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is, and my time where my mouth is, and I talk to a lot of people and can organize stuff well. So I'd be I've, glad to do that. Heard, I've heard you speak about that, um, and it's one of my definitely a concern of mine as well. Have you been to LA uh, Public Court? No. Shocking. I mean. I'm not emotional. You know, I'm the kind of person that doesn't really get bothered by things. And when you see families who are obviously modest, wasting tens of thousands of dollars, and then you see the sharks and the vultures preying on them, I almost feel like that the participants in the system, it's like a cockfight. Have you ever seen where the, where the people own the, the roosters, like pushing them at each other to make them want to fight more because they get paid more? 100%. Yeah. It's just shocking. It's just, I, 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 I'm going to change the subject. I don't mm-hmm. Yes, you. let's talk. Let's talk some time. Have a cup of coffee and let's pursue our dream. Let's change the world, Andrea. Let's change the world. I think we can do it right there. Okay, good. Other questions? How about real estate in general? Other questions? Bill, I just had a, uh, quite one more question, if I can, about um, finding a good um, estate planning attorney referral, um, you know, this, this comes up uh, a lot with, um, you know, like even, even in my marketplace, um, I don't see people have very much knowledge about even family living trusts, like marital trusts or anything mm-hmm. and um, clueless. And I, um, I don't have like a great uh, attorney referral I mean, I know of one because a long, long time ago, I had to learn about this stuff, but, um, you know, I feel like I've, okay, so you were talking about cold calling attorneys, and I agree with you, it's really hard to reach out to a, an attorney cold and just to say, hey, look, here's my deal. Um, I'd, I'd, like a, I'd like someone to refer to you <laughs> because, um, you know, I have clients who would benefit from, from what you do and uh, so any, uh, any tips you might share about how to find a, a good estate planning attorney? It is shocking. The other thing is shocking about business, how hard it is to refer business to attorneys. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. I'm a pretty good businessman. I know the attorney business pretty well. My father was an attorney. Now, what I'll say is, I think they grew up with an idea that they don't need to market or sell. And of course, the top attorneys, all they do is market and sell. When you're a senior partner at a firm, you don't handle cases, you handle clients, right? Which means you're selling. And that's how they make, that's how they make millions of dollars. Um, the ones who go to court are usually the assistants or the juniors or whatever. 
And so the answer to your question is, um, as recently as yesterday, I have a guy on my team that I'm bringing on board just to market to um, Living Trust. One of the, one of the things I'm, gonna, I'm launching is to really reach out to every attorney that does Living Trusts and, uh, and markets that service and to reach out to them and see if they offer it, go through my database and look for referrals to those attorneys. We're going to work that program hard. So there's an attorney who I saw online was doing a workshop and I called him and I know him. This isn't a cold call. I've met the guy. We've talked in court. He knows I'm a pro in this business. And I call him in his office and said, oh yeah, we'll set an appointment with you. I had an appointment literally yesterday. Now look, their attorneys can be busy. We're all busy. We all struggle with uh, managing our time. But the appointment went late and we rescheduled for next week. Most people wouldn't bother with it. I'm bothering with it because I, I understand these guys don't know how to do business. It's just crazy. So guys or gals, uh, you know, I've referred so much business to different attorneys uh, that, you know, uh, I started doing that a year and a half ago. I don't anymore. Uh, I, I push more to self-help than I do uh, unless there's different levels. So estate planning, there's different levels. There's the self-help, easyprobate.com, legalzoom.com types, self-help. There's the document preparer that will hold their hand and fill out the forms with them. There's the brand new attorney who charges $1,000 or $2,000, does it for them, but they're an attorney. And there's what I call the full estate plan. And that could be five, 10, 20, 30, could be tens of thousands of dollars. And so you got to know where, you have to know a few of those levels and make sure you put your customer in the right place. But, and I would say today, you almost have to hold them by the hand, figuratively speaking, walk them in the office, figuratively speaking, sit them down and be there while they do the appointment. Because the attorney just doesn't follow up and make the appointment fall through on it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been my experience. And I'm a member of Legal Shield, and I've tried to even, um, you know, kind of go through them and see the thing about Legal Shield is once once they know where you live, they will point you in the direction of, oh, OK, well, that means I should get that person a, a, a referral uh, within a mile or two square miles of that location. And I'll have to say to them, well, look, I don't mind driving to Century City if you give me the perfect person. <laughs> like, I don't care. That's fine. Right. But they just don't work that way. And, right. um, you know, a couple of times I've had to have my investors work with an attorney and I've had to go out there looking for one. And I've had a really hard time finding someone who's who's like really good business wise, exactly like you said. So yeah. it sounds like it's just a numbers game. And you just got to work it. So, yeah, okay. I had a guest on this call a few weeks ago from Florida. Who's great. He's in Florida. I know a great attorney. Um, I have a gal lined up from Orange County in May. Now, unfortunately, she got COVID and sick, and she's going to come on the call uh, in May, uh, and I'm going to interview her online. Um, I've interviewed a few on my, on my YouTube channel. You can check out a couple. But, man, all of them, it's just tough to get them business. And, yeah. and I, I don't really get any business from them. So I can say that with complete candor. And, and, I, and I, I wish I had a couple that were really good that I could say, oh, here's what I should refer you to. Uh, and if I knew something good, even if they didn't refer me business, I'd be glad to make that introduction. I just don't know anybody that I can – feel comfortable sending, they don't realize that's your paycheck, right? You know, I, I just, I sent a, a client one time and I said, don't you understand that, you know, that's a $20,000 commission check that you let walk out the door. 
I was calling your office to find out when you're meeting with a client and you didn't return a phone call, didn't return a phone call, and then you met with her. And next thing you know, she's off with another real estate agent. I want to talk to her that day. I don't want to, you should be helping me get the listing. I, you shouldn't right. be not helping me. Right. I expect you to sign them up, but you should be making sure I get the listing. I don't need a thank you card. I don't need lunch. I don't need a fro fee. I need you to make sure I get that listing. Right. And if you don't get that, we can't do business together. Now, is that, am I harsh when I say that? No. And I, I mean, look, I, I, I had business recently closed at the end of December that I had the same problem. My client wasn't getting a call back um, for some real basic stuff um, that they, yeah. they had asked them just to help them form an LLC for them, which was a really easy thing. And they were just trying to get a copy of the operating agreement. And, you know, wires could not be sent until operating agreements were read over and, and, you know, uh, agreed to and just really little things. And I was absolutely handling all of the management of that process. And I felt like, wow, am I the only one doing all of this like legal legwork? But it, yes. it was. And yes, you are. Yeah. I so. met a lady once at the courthouse who it was obvious to me she was heavily into drugs. Just a, a complete meth head. It was obvious to me. Desperate. But she was an heir of a house that's worth about $600,000. She, she was entitled to half of it, at least, $300,000. And her brother, who was a drug dealer of some sort, was trying to take the whole thing from her. And I met with her, and she was in tears. And she couldn't even fill out the basic paper to get mailed you by the attorney. The attorney's mailed her stuff. Well, she never mailed back her package. I said, no, you don't get that. She's not going to mail back the package. you got to send somebody out there, a service, a notary person, but not just the notary, somebody's going to sit with her, hold her hand. This is a mission of mercy. This is a human being who's going to lose. Her mother left her half a house with $300,000. Now, she might put it all up her arm. I don't know. But at least I'm giving her a chance. This brother's just going to steal it all, and she's going to be homeless. And I, I yeah. set up an attorney, and we got, and I had a notary go out, got the paper signed up. She got in advance. She got some cash. We got the house sold. She's willing to be distributed. Mm -hmm. But she, the trainers would turn her phone calls and she writes me this long one page handwritten note. The kind of person whose cell phone isn't available because she had it, you know, one month and then couldn't afford it and whatever. Um, says to me a one page handwritten. It's just heartbreaking to read. I can't reach her. And the attorney can't tell her when she's going to get her money. Like this is a homeless lady in the middle of COVID. How could you not return that phone call? I get it. She's never coming back as a paying client to you. Well, that's just wrong. So anyhow, um, so yeah. I'm not, I don't know why I'm on a soapbox today about this stuff. It just I would have bought her the cell phone myself if I if it was my commission on the hook like that. I mean, really, like that that happened to my next door neighbor a long time ago, and and got basically uh, lost two hundred grand because people who knew what they were doing manipulated her into taking a really really bad deal. Because when her mom died, she didn't know any better. So anyway, thanks for answering those questions. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. And uh, no, in this case, I, I, I do what I normally do the listing, but I also paid for the notary to go out to your house and go sign up. Okay, we've got some other questions. Let me just see if I can jump in some of these real fast. Is your time frame Bill, one can has- Can I ask a question? Go right ahead, Bernard. What I want to ask, uh, I, I just ask, have to ask everyone to excuse me for just a moment. This is my first time on this call and I, I just want to get a basic understanding. I've, I've been doing real estate. I've been in real estate 27 years, probably as long as some of you. And 
of course, not as long as, as, as some of you. But I guess the, the thought that I just want to be clear in my mind, because this, what you've given me so far is something I did not really know about or understand. So what you're telling me is that this is a part of real estate that few agents have a clue about, that most attorneys don't have a clue about, but there's just so much business out there because this is something that just about every family is going to go through dealing with an estate, I guess, going from one person or one entity to another without proper paperwork. Is that what we're talking about? And in particular where you are, Bernard, I think you mentioned you're also in South Carolina. Yeah, I'm in South Carolina and North Carolina. I, it, well, in particular, I believe it's South Carolina. There's a historical, um, what's the word I want to use for this? Bad example of this where I guess freed slaves were given like 40 acres per family or something. Mm-hmm. And then they had so many kids and they had so many kids that I think they call it heirs property is the term they use in uh, Alabama, South Carolina, I think is the worst. And what happens is the, 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 the you know, three, four generations later, there's such a small percentage that any one person controls, the speculators kind of come in and don't get the right notice and they're buying it on the cheap. And properties, farms that have been families for 150 years are being bought for pennies. It's scandalous, particularly in the South. And I, I, I don't really get involved. I'm, I'm in LA, but I, I saw on um, a documentary on the subject and I can, I can imagine how that works. I mean, they, they laid it out. It's the same process we have, but, and we're gonna have it here in LA. It's just every generation gets worse. Winston, you had a question. Actually, 60 Minutes did an episode on that. Yeah. Uh, probably a year or two ago. And it was heartbreaking to see what generations of families were tied up in and how little each individual would take just to be able to put their hand on the money. You know, they were totally, you know, taken advantage of by major developers and home builders. And, you know, they owned a chunk of land, but there were so many of them, all they got was just a little piece. You know, it wasn't handled properly at all. The reason why it bothers me so much in LA is it's harder for me to relate to that group. In LA, though, a lot of the, these uh, grandparents, great-grandparents were World War II generation, came back from the war, got a GI Bill, bought a house, spent their entire, entire lives there, paid it off in full, handed over their kids, uh, and it's being torn up and, and the equity's all going to developers, attorneys. I, I don't mind making money. I'm trying to help the family maximize the value and avoid the probate, as opposed to pushing them into probate to get paid, like most people's strategy is. But when you think of who those people were who worked so hard to build the wealth, and I've had those customers. I had customers who were, you know, 20 years ago, they were 90 years old, and they saw their, their kids were not doing what they're supposed to do. And what am I going to do with all this property I've accumulated? They, they rebuilt our country, that generation, and I'm watching that, that generational wealth dissipated. Uh, Gab. Hello. I had a thought on the trust and estate attorney. Um, question that um, I think you all might appreciate. So um, as you know, Bill, I worked for, I ran the office for a law firm for six and a half years, and we had an attorney that was a trust lawyer, and she did go out to drum up business. But what was interesting about her is she had an entire career um, for 20 plus years as a registered nurse before she even became an attorney. So the concept of 
having something else and knowing the, the how to market and needing to market and how to connect with people. Yeah. If you go places where you meet attorneys and you can see and ask them, what did you do before? Is this the first thing you did? If they had a prior career, you're probably going to have a more better, more better chance. There's some terrible grammar of connectivity with them than if they went to law school and just went straight into doing, uh, especially if they went straight into doing trust at like 25 years old. But um, it occurred to me that that might be something to consider when looking for and talking to a trust attorney. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, let me knock out a couple of questions real fast. Mike asks, is there a time frame it has to inform the assessor the loved one's passed away and uh, is there a penalty? So there, I believe the law is you're supposed to notify uh, the county uh, within 30 days. That's done by a death certificate. And that triggers notice for a lot of different things. So um, a probate, you're supposed to start uh, within, uh, you're supposed to file within 30 days, I believe. Not attorney, but I'm pretty sure it's 30 days. Um, no big penalty if you don't. Um, you just make things more difficult for yourself. The longer you go, the more uh, difficult these things become. Uh, Mike said, are you, are you a member of Legal Shield? Uh, I have been in the past. I'm not currently. Uh, I might be restarting with them, uh, but currently I, I operate through a company, so I don't really need that. But a great service and great service to offer clients who might need that. Um, once you should buy in a house or a trust? Um, those are legal questions that you need a trade to help answer. Uh, do you know who's used trust to buy property they recommend? Yeah, I, I think that you create a living trust and then you, you buy everything and put everything into the living trust. So uh, generally, yes, I answer your question. You should buy property in a living trust because you own property. You have enough assets to avoid probate, put in a living trust. Um, you know, people think they buy property and there's not, not enough equity in it. You might buy property for 600,000 and put three and a half percent down, but the probate's triggered on the gross value of the sales price of the house. 600,000. So it's really sad there is you might have a $550,000 loan and you have a $600,000 property, but your probate fees could be 10, 12, $13,000, uh, whether or not, or, or it could be free and clear, it's the same price. So definitely you want to, um, I think anybody who buys property in California worth more than the session limit, things like 167, anything more than that should definitely be in a trust. And anybody who uses a trust to buy property, recommend. I have a lot of clients who bought property and trusts. Uh, you can get a trust online at easy-probate.com. is a great source. Easy-probate.com. Uh, LegalZoom is another option. Legal Shield is another option. Um, but they're plenty of low cost, and they get lower cost every day. Just like everything else online, it gets cheaper and easier and cheaper and easier. It keeps going down in price. So. Definitely some great online options for that. Okay, I think I answered all the questions. Um, let me just last wrap up. We do this call every Thursday at four. Thanks for being on today. Tuesday at three, I do um, real estate investing zoom.com. Love to have you Tuesday at 3 p.m. Uh, or reach out to me. My phone number is 310-210-0008. Again, 310-210-0008. I'm Bill Gross. And I you can find me at the LA probateexpert.com, T-H-E-L-A, probate, P-R-O-B-A-T-E, expert, E-X-P-E-R-T.com. Thank you guys for participating today. I appreciate it. Um, we'll send out a link with a replay in case you missed it. 
please like it, subscribe to it, put comments in it, help support the program. Um, make it